Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Addiction Treatments That Work. I'm your host, Kenneth Anderson. Tonight is February 2nd of 2012, and tonight our guest will be Donna J. Cornett, who is the author of Seven, Seven Weeks to Safe Social Drinking and several other books that you can find available on uh, Amazon and various places. She's also the creator of the Drink Link Moderation Program and has been working with moderation programs for a long time now. Before we start the show, I'm going to do a little blurb for our website and our book. Our website is hamsnetwork.org. We are a free-of-charge lay-led support group for anyone who wants to make any positive change in their drinking habits, from safer drinking to reduced drinking to quitting altogether. Our book is called How to Change Your Drinking, A Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol. It's available from Amazon, and for more information, go to hamsnetwork.org slash book. And Donna is here with us right now, waiting, and I'm going to bring her on right now. Donna, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Ken. Well, it's great to have you on the show tonight. Thank you. Tell me a little bit. Um... How did you get interested in moderate drinking programs? Well, way back when I was in my mid-30s, I was starting to drink a little more than I thought was healthy. I was very lucky because I was not experiencing any kind of uh, alcohol-related problems with my drinking. My only issue was that I was getting a little concerned because I wanted a third or fourth glass of wine every night. And I thought to myself, this is not a healthy thing to do, especially if I want to live a long and healthy life. And um, so uh, it was a totally internal desire on my part to do something about my drinking. Of course, this was back in the early 80s that this was going on, and at that time, there were no moderate drinking programs, and my only options were to either continue to drink like I had been drinking or to stop altogether and go to AA. And to me, those options just weren't realistic because I just didn't think my drinking was serious. I wasn't having any kind of problems other than this internal desire to cut down. And so I I did a lot of research, and and, um, there was really nothing in this country, but I did notice that there were uh, moderate drinking programs in other countries, like the U.K., and I happened to meet the director of the uh, uh, moderate drinking program in the U.K. at that time. The, the name of the program was Drink Watchers, and it is now, it is no longer in existence, but but it was it was very enlightening to me to uh, discover that there were moderate drinking alternatives out there. And so uh, with that impetus, and I also have a background in psychology. I have a master's degree in psychology and a a California community uh, teaching credential in the subject. So I set out to develop a, a moderate drinking program for drinkers and along the way heal my own drinking problem. Okay. And, um, who was this person? I'm just curious. Do you know? Do you know the name of this person that was with Drink Watchers that, that you uh, met? Did that I that I, I met that I actually talked to? Yes, his name is Joseph Rusick. Okay, I noticed quite a few people 
uh, from that time period, there was research being done uh, on moderate drinking in Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Martha Sanchez Craig did some research. Yeah. Yes. Robin Lo- Root. Lots of, re- lots of research done, but nothing really out there for for drinkers. <laughs> you know, it was it, 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 and at that time there was just you know there was a feeling that uh, in the United States that it don't even go to a moderate drinking place because people who have serious drinking problems, people that are alcoholics will just use a moderate drinking program as an excuse to drink. And, and so it was it was a taboo subject basically way back then. Yeah, that's interesting. It's still a taboo subject now to a large extent. But uh, we know Martha Sanchez Craig, she did some research and saw that when people were allowed to choose their own goal, instead of being told what to do, they generally did better. And she got more abstainers when she offered them a choice of moderate drinking goal or abstinence goal. She found she got more abstainers. Yeah, well, you know, it just makes sense. But at that time, I think in the United States, AA and abstinence really dominated the scene. And um, anybody who who disagreed or differed from that view was just not taken seriously or criticized. I think we still see it really dominates the scene, especially in the media, in Hollywood, in the movies, on television, um, there's one alternative. I mean, there is AA or death, and uh, we don't see that most people get better on their own. Yeah, uh, this is interesting. Since I started so long ago, the the um, uh, uh, negative uh, input about moderate drinking programs or or considering a moderate drinking alternative was so incredible you were a heretic if you if you talked about moderate drinking for for somebody who was who had a drinking problem so i've observed in my personal experience i've observed people kind of softening up and even the uh the the government saying you know that that uh, uh Brief interventions, brief moderate drinking interventions, uh, are valid for for some drinkers. So I, I consider it, you know, I've seen it kind of loosen up a bit and and, and more welcoming to uh, another alternative, because a lot of people that have drinking problems uh, are, will not seek treatment because they think that you know they're going to have to quit drinking for the rest of their life. So they just continue to drink and get worse and worse and worse, and, and so it goes. Well, I think it's true that the professional, the professionals, the researchers, the people who work in treatment, a psychologist, they all seem to have opened up a great deal to uh-huh. moderate drinking programs, the idea of harm reduction, yes. and various things. I think just the media is really lagging behind. Television is, you know, about 20 years behind Yeah. Well, I think you know it's a gradual process. Change, obviously, within everything, (laughs) with drinkers and in the media about moderate drinking, it's a gradual process, and it doesn't take place overnight. But I do see a pretty significant change because in the beginning, when I started talking about moderate drinking, I was practically thrown out. You know, (laughs) you know, uh, people just didn't want anything to do with me. 
Oh yeah, the the professional community uh, is getting more and more welcoming of new ideas of yeah. these alternative ideas all the time, and that's very heartening. And hopefully the media will eventually catch up in 20 years or so. Yeah, I, I hope so because you know by maintaining this 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 very black and white um, AA or drinking, it's no, it's nothing in between. This attitude it just keeps people drinking, many people drinking uh, in a in a problem drinking cycle. Where they may not be alcoholic yet, but they just keep drinking because they think they have no other choices, you know, except to stop, and they won't do it. So I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that you know, that I think the change is coming, so we're getting there. Well, I want to take a little bit of a look at your book, Seven Weeks to Save Social Drinking, and it is a seven-week program, and uh, I'm going to start having you tell us a bit about week one, which says start with the basics. The basics. Yeah, well, we kind of lay the the uh, groundwork for the program in week one. And what we do is we talk about five basic drinking guidelines, moderate drinking guidelines, very common sense guidelines that you don't need any huge amount of willpower or, or uh, help from a higher power or anything like that. And these five guidelines, if you followed them, they're very simple and they allow you to enjoy moderate drinking. And if you followed them, you'd never have a problem with drinking at all. And the five, the five guidelines are uh, pretty simple, as I say. Pace yourself, one drink per hour. Try to have at least two days off from alcohol a week. More would be better. Um, eat before and during drinking. Um, don't drink more than three hours per day on drinking days because it's a waste of your precious time. <laughs> and um, uh, watch your drink portions. A lot of people pour a drink. They don't. They're not aware of how much one drink is, and they just pour a large drink and think it's one drink, and it and it really isn't. So those are the five basics and uh that's what you learn in the first week the remaining six weeks each week you learn a new set of behavioral cognitive motivational uh and lifestyle strategies and techniques to help you stay within the guidelines the five basics that you learned in the very first week so it's a really simple simple program Okay, let's just keep going through the weeks. We'll look at week two now. Slow down your drinking effortlessly. Slow down your drinking effortlessly. Basically, we're talking about um, uh, really simple behavioral things that you can do to um, uh, pace your drinking, slow down your drinking, distracting yourself, um, alternating drinking, um, just just really simple things for you to uh, again be behavioral things to do to to just take it easy and enjoy yourself and alternating that means alternating with non alcoholic drinks alternating with non alcoholic drinks, delaying that first drink of the day, delaying successive drinks for uh, of the day when I talk to my clients, I tell them you know it, Okay, so so you're used to having your first cocktail at six o'clock. 
why don't you wait 10 or 15 minutes? It's 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 like a little uh, uh, self-control exercise for you, and it's really painless. You can wait 10 or 15 minutes delaying that first drink, and when you finish that drink, after you hope, ho- hopefully have paced it <laughs> and, and you've taken your time with it, you can wait another 10 or 15 minutes between drinks. Very simple thing. Um, delaying, I, I talk about tea time. Taking a tea time, around 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, people get, it's the low point of the day for most people. And um, so I, I encourage them to uh, uh, do what they do in Europe. About that time of day, they everybody sits down, has some coffee or some tea, has a snack. It kind of energizes them, gets their blood sugar levels up, gets them in a better mood so they're not revving up for a cocktail at 5 or 6 o'clock like we do in this country. So so just simple tips like that, very, very, very simple, distracting yourself. You don't have to... When you're when you want that cocktail, you don't have to give in to that urge to have the, that cocktail immediately. Distract yourself. You can, and I encourage my clients to think of to think of at least five distracting activities that that they can kick into when they're wanting to start drinking and they want to hold off for a while. In the book, I have 101 distracting activities that I list, so you can take your pick and. Uh, uh, again, this is also a psychological thing. I, I want people to start thinking in terms of taking the focus off of alcohol and f- and focusing on people, conversation, and a- activity, rather rather than that drink, <laughs> which which a lot of people do. A lot of people with drinking problems do. Okay, let's take a look at week three. Tune into your body and brain and beat your drinking urge. Yeah. Mhm. Yes. Well, you know, we really look at internal and external variables that trigger your drinking in this chapter and in this week. And I encourage everybody who reads the book and go and and calls me up for I I offer a telephone counseling program that I speak to the client di- directly every week for 7 weeks. And I really encourage people to understand what the what their triggers are. What are they susceptible? What what drives them to drink? And external uh, triggers, uh, just simply put, are people, places, circumstances that you may want to have alcohol <laughs> to cope with, or or heavy drinking friends that encourage you to drink places where you go to drink or where heavy drinking happens for to you or circumstances maybe uncomfortable circumstances maybe parties you know certain certain circumstances those would be external uh, triggers and and internal triggers again uh, moods um uh, uh maybe a, a genetic predisposition for for alcohol uh, abuse uh, emotions um, just addressing those internal triggers, stress, that those are very important things for you to identify also when it comes to your drinking and and uh, determining if, if they factor into your drinking. Okay, now we're up to week four. Turn on natural highs without alcohol. 
Well, this is midweek of the program here, week four. We're right in the middle of the program here. I'm going to give you a little vacation in this week. <laughs> I, I tell my clients, you're on vacation this week, but you're not on vacation from the program. You still have to practice everything you've learned to date. But this week, I want you to continue what you've learned, but I also want you to start exploring non-alcoholic activities and non-alcoholic relationships with people that don't focus on alcohol and start thinking about things that you really enjoy doing other than sitting and drinking because cultivating non-alcoholic activities that you really enjoy and socializing and being with people who don't make alcohol their life life uh, goal is a very, very important uh, strategy to reducing your own alcohol consumption and reducing the importance of alcohol in your life. Okay, let's look at week five, Master the Art of Social Drinking. Oh, yes. That's pretty good. Uh, This is is good. Uh, A lot of people that I talk to, they are fine... In many situations, but if they get into a social situation, they blow it. They completely blow it. So I wrote this chapter thinking to myself, these are just little simple pointers. Ground rule one is know your dangerous drinking cues inside out. Really become aware of what um, triggers your drinking in social situations. And if you uh, understand and know what these triggers are, they are diffused naturally, and you are less susceptible to them, so you're not so prone to engage in problem drinking. Ground rule number two is say what you mean and mean what you say. In other words, being assertive about whether you're going to have another cocktail or not and and making sure that you are not a victim of peer pressure to continue drinking or start drinking or to drink abusively. Ground rule number three is perfect perfect the art of the polite refusal. Again, you know, uh, politely saying no to to another drink. Uh, Ground rule number four, don't drink before or after a social drinking occasion. This, that is probably the most important um, tip that I have given many of my social drinkers who have a problem with social drinking. Because what most of us will do, if we are going to a function or a social occasion where there is drinking, many of us like to have a cocktail before to loosen us up, and then we get there, we have a cocktail at the party, or we have more than one cocktail at the party, and then we come home, we're still in a party mood, and we pour another one. Now, if you could eliminate the drinks before and after that social occasion, that would really cut down on your alcohol consumption right there. And uh, many of my clients have found that to be uh, invaluable uh, as far as keeping their head uh, when they're in a social drinking occasion. Uh, Ground rule number six, adopt an I don't need an alcohol attitude. We have to start thinking in different terms. The, one, of the, one of the goals of, of my program is to make alcohol less important in your life because if it's less important, you'll drink less automatically. So this is, 
this is the beginning, and this gives you kind of a start of you know, well, it's it's one of the things in the last in in one of the last chapters, we we talked about focusing on people, activities, and conversation. Again, taking the focus off of alcohol, making alcohol just less important in your life, and. Um, uh, uh, Ground rule number seven is leave a little. It's kind of a little baby self-control exercise. You know, you can do it. It's really simple. And you can show alcohol who's boss. <laughs> when you leave a, a half a glass of wine and you walk away and say, I don't need you, it, it, it's kind of an empowerment exercise, I think. Ground rule number eight is thinking of the morning after. How are you going to feel when you wake up in the morning? This is a powerful uh, uh, thing that we talk about in the program, you know, I want you to feel good when you wake up in the morning, after a after a night where in the past you've you've blown it, <laughs> and and you've had a problem or you've gotten drunk or you've just had one too many, and, and I want you to feel good the next morning when you wake up. It's a, it's positive reinforcement to keep up the good work, and uh, uh, get a grip. Uh, ground rule number nine. This is uh, so important because a lot of people that I, well, not a lot. Some of my clients they they just get full of all of these strategies and techniques, and they just tell me, you know, it's just easier for me to just say no and stop. <laughs> just mm-hmm, get a mm-hmm. grip <laughs> instead of going through all the strategies and techniques and the self control and the empowerment and the positive reinforcement. So they just say it's just easier for them to say, I'm just not having any more. And ground rule number 10 is make wise drinking choices. We all make choices all day long, Ken. And and uh, the idea is for you to uh, understand what you're up against when you're in a social drinking situation and make the right choice before you even start drinking. Because uh, as we know, once you start drinking, your judgment becomes clouded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something we talk about a lot. Is you know you have you make your plan ahead of time when yes. you're sober. And Pre-planning. Then. In fact, that is one of the things in the very first first chapter in the very first week, along with the five basics. We talk about pre-planning every drinking occasion before you even before alcohol even touches your lips. You you plan how many drinks you're going to have, how long you're uh, going to drink at at an occasion, and when you're going to leave or when you're going to stop drinking. And you're also going to make a plan for after you've quit drinking. You know, what am I going to do? I'm going to feel neglected or deprived after I stop drinking because I'm not used to this. Um, so, So we make a plan for after drinking. I have a little sweet thing uh distract yourself go take a hot bubble bath do something read a book go to bed you know so we talk about what to do after after you stop drinking too okay moving right along we're we're down to like seven minutes now so um it's going really fast but uh, week six what drives you to drink fix it week six yes what drives well, basically, we we really delve into four the four problem drinking styles in my practice. I have seen four 
there four basic styles have emerged to me and and one of them is binge drinking one of them is habitual drinking one of them is stress related drinking and one of them is um uh, uh emotion related drinking emotional drinking and so we really dig in to those four types of problem drinking and why you may do that. <laughs> I ask the reader to identify which which ones they can identify with. And um, we really take a close look at each one of those drinking patterns or styles. And I jot, I, I jot down the cycles that one goes through. Uh, for each for each cycle for each problem drinking style, you know we think about it. We get we get stressed out. We think about drinking. We drink. We feel better. Positive reinforcement from the effects of alcohol, and so we continue drinking. And, and then we talk about ways to diffuse those or, or interrupt those cycles. So so that's that's basically what that chapter is about. And then the remainder of the book is really uh, talking about other alternatives. You know, if if um uh, moderate drinking isn't working for you, if you feel it isn't working for you or if you you may feel it's more trouble than it's worth. You know, to 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 go through all this jumping through hoops to try to to reduce your alcohol consumption, maybe it's just too hard for you. You might find it easier to just stop drinking altogether, which I'm all for. <laughs> you know, uh, I think abstinence is just as good as moderate drinking, even better in some cases. So, so basically, that that kind of wraps up seven weeks to save social drinking. Okay, before we go on to our next topic, just tell us what's your website and how people can find you on the internet. Yeah, um, uh, the website, uh, the address is www.drinklinkmoderation. That is all one word, D-R-I-N-K-L-I-N-K-M-O-D-E-R-A-T-I-O-N.com. And, um, uh, gee, I have uh, email addresses and and all kinds of contact information. I also have an 800 number that anyone is free to call me anytime for a 15-minute consultation, free. And that toll-free number is 888-773-7465. So I, I welcome anybody to call me and talk to me about their drinking, and I'd be happy to talk to them. Now, I understand you have another book in progress that you're working on right now. Oh yes, I'm very enthusiastic about it. And uh the title of the book is Moderate Drinking My Way. And it is uh the the subtitle is A Woman's All Natural Guide to Control Alcohol and Get the Most Out of Life. Uh women drink for different reasons than men. They respond to different treatments than men. And they have different drinking patterns than men. So I thought I would adapt the DrinkLink Moderate Drinking Program for women. And we really get into the reasons why women drink and drink abusively. And uh, these these reasons are basically they have low self-esteem, they suffer from depression, 
they drink in response to some kind of childhood trauma or abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, or physical abuse. Uh, They drink uh, to cope with stress and or they drink to uh to fill a void or or because of loss to feel better about some loss in their life so we really we really tune in and zero in on these these reasons why women drink heavily many women drink heavily and uh yeah i'm really enthusiastic about this 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 book should be coming out in about 3 to 4 months Okay. And do you think, uh, have you seen uh, that women are drinking more these days than they used to in the past? Oh, absolutely. No no doubt about it. it and, and it's starting younger. They're starting younger. Uh, girls are starting to drink around, at, around the age of 12 and a half years old. And that's a lot younger than in my day. In my day, they were starting at 16 or 17, and I didn't drink alcohol until I was 18 years old. I was a real, really late bloomer. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but they're they're keeping up. It's socially acceptable, you know. It's convenient. Uh, it's legal. <laughs> Same reasons why anybody drinks heavily, I think. You know, it's just really convenient, and it uh, it takes away the pain for them in some way. You know, so so yes, they they really and and women are under particular stress because they have so many roles and responsibilities to fulfill these days. In the old days, it just used to be, you know, they they most women enjoyed the traditional role of wife and mother and stay-at-home mom. You know, but these days women have so many more roles and so many more responsibilities that that give them a glass of wine at night, and that's that's their stress reduction. You know, right there. Okay, Donna, I'd like to thank you very much for being our guest tonight. Before you go, give us once again your web address. Yeah, it is www.drinklinkmoderation, and that is all one word. Drink. ThinkModeration.com, and my telephone number is 888-773-7465. Okay, thank you very much. And everyone, we will be back next week, and we will be talking with uh, Kato Sokadze and Chris Stewart from the University of Louisville, Kentucky, who've been doing research on biofeedback for addiction treatment. should be a very interesting show. See you all then. Night.